Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetes in the Raw. It's Hayley and myself tonight. No guests. Hi, Hayley. How are you going? Hi, Jamie. I'm well, thank you. No, it's eight eight. It's now eight thirty. We've been chatting behind the scenes for half an hour now. We're both pretty passionate. So last week, which was what July thirteen, I think it was that. Um, oh, sorry, Monday, July ten was National Diabetes Week in Australia, and each night there was a great debate, basically trying to generate Australia's biggest conversation around the impact of diabetes. So. Tonight, we wanted to just, I guess, chat a bit about what went on in one of those debates, which was called Brain Drain. Is diabetes research in Australia in crisis? So there was a panel of, what would you say, Hayley, all different professionals? All different professionals, probably about six of them. Yeah. It was a very interesting debate to to listen to. And surprise, surprise, the bottom line was, yes, diabetes research in Australia is in crisis. In fact, I think one of them said it's not actually in crisis, it's on its deathbed. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's uh, pretty hard. Confronting. Mm. Very confronting. It's it's not a comforting thing to hear, but actually listening to the, to the debate if anybody wants to listen to it, I think they are available on the Diabetes Australia. Yeah, I'll put website. the show notes in the show notes, yeah. Really, really worth listening to. It's it's really thought-provoking, really shines a light on what exactly is involved in research and perhaps what is happening out there that that the average person on the street just doesn't know and wouldn't. Yeah, and it's quite the opposite to what I thought because I sort of look at the amount of funding JDRF, um, you know, is able to fundraise and that over over each year and it seems like so much money Mm. but then you think about what research costs and, and all that sort of thing. There's a type 1 advocate on there who has been living with type 1 diabetes, I think, for over 40 years from memory, Renza Scabilia. She's quite well known. And she was really the flip side to what the professionals, the doctors, professors and all that were saying, wasn't she? Oh, I think so. I mean, like I say, extremely passionate, but it comes back to she's living with it. And I Mm. think on the Diabetes Australia website, they they had almost that sort of catchphrase or that line, nobody understands it better than someone living it or, or something to that effect. She really was a, a big example of that and gets to understand what, how the research works and what happens. But bottom line is, are we progressing? Yeah. And, and she was, um, she's a straight talker. She's, she does a lot in this space so it is worth going back and having a listen. And she and I like that she said she's only one person living with type 1 and she didn't want to speak for the rest of us. So Haley and I thought we would come on tonight and just do a, a pretty quick one, sort of probably only around 20 minutes, 25 minutes maybe, and just talk a bit about our thoughts on what the conversation was. And one of the big things that came up was diabetes research is getting a lot less funding than other areas such as cancer research, cardiology, um, immunology, mental health, immunology. And part of that reason is because of job security, believe it or not. So cardiology, these new researchers, these doctors can go and get a three-year contract with, you know, insured employment. And in diabetes, you'd be lucky to get one year because the funding is not secured and grants are often written in your own time and 
and take a very long time and so much work. I think I'm correct in what I heard. One of the, I forget his name, I want to say Sophie or something like that. Anyway, he, he was talking, again, very engaging, very interesting to listen to. He said that a third of their time is spent writing grants, a third of their research time is spent writing grants. Now, I can remember uh, quite a few years ago now, could be four, could be five years ago, going to Brisbane and attending a talk, I think probably hosted by JDRF, and there was researchers there explaining the process for research and that timeline of conception of an idea to it going to market. And the bulk of that time is taken up with securing funding. And he went on to say, so not only is a third of your time that you could be spent researching taken up by writing grants to try and secure the money, you don't secure the grant. You have no job. Yeah, and that time's writing the grant was just a complete waste of time. Yeah. And so why would people go into that work when there is no security for them? You can't get the grant grant funding. It's not just you can't do the research. You can't live. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't pay your bills. It's not enticing. Yeah, and I like that the doctor did, you know, they are human. They have mortgages. They have families. It is a job. They are passionate about it and want to help, but they still need to pay their mortgage and, you know, look after their families as well. So massive part. And, you know, another part is – Oh, a bit a bit off topic here, but they were saying how type one diabetes um, has gone up thirty five percent in the last ten years. So the need for diabetes research is more than ever, and yet the funding for it is dropping. Yes, yeah, yes. And look, we we know we, we don't seek to uh, say that any one area deserves more than others. We know that is a very sensitive topic, and we're not trying to you know rank conditions, diseases, illnesses, but if you're looking at the incidence of the increase in diabetes, in type 1 diabetes, it does beg the question, why is more funding not being put into it when we have got this, this just rise of numbers? Yeah, and that's a very good point because I, I cringed a bit when they started comparing, you know, I said they said that we're, diabetes gets 25% of the funding that cancer research gets. Mm. And it's just, as you said, it's not a comparison. It's not a hierarchy of importance. It's it's just a comparison of where funding's going. And That's yes, right. yeah, it's it's hugely needed yeah. in all areas of health. And I was going to say before I move on to the next area, did you have anything to add before we we talk about no, the no, quality the of life thing, versus the cure? <laughs> the, the only uh, the only other point that I think they they did make clearly as well is not just that the money reducing but the actual numbers of researchers is shrinking and that's probably as a result of the fact the lack of security the lack of um, financial security for them which you know we all live in the real world you have to have that in your job yeah you need young passionate people coming through who want to do the research and can afford to and you know these people have been through medical school they need they deserve a good wage to do the research and the potential outcomes of their research is life-changing as well so Mm. you know 100% yeah so another very interesting probably the most interesting part of the whole debate conversation for me was around where the funding is going and they talked about how much goes towards mental health versus behavioral 
management, I guess it is around diabetes, because you must remember they didn't distinguish between type one and type two at the start of the conversation, but then it became a little bit heated when one of the doctors raised obesity and stigma as a factor influencing the research funding, didn't they? Listening to that, it made total sense to me, but it's not something that I would have thought of myself. I wouldn't have taken myself to that conclusion. Mm. But listening to them say that there is still such stigma around diabetes and because the general public don't distinguish between type 1, type 2, and, of course, all the other ones that are out there, there is still very much the stigma that you have brought it on yourself. It is as a result of something you have done or not done in your life, your lifestyle, that has caused you to have diabetes. So on one level, a fairly basic level, you'd say, well, why would you put money towards that? You know, why would we try and fund that when it's all down to you and you could have stopped it? And very interesting, they're saying that the philanthropists out there who you would like to, you know, give money to worthy causes, charitable causes, because of the stigma, maybe don't. Mm. And yeah, they, as you said, they did um, tackle the the elephant in the room of obesity and the impact of that. One one thing I was quite disappointed to hear, Jamie, was when they were talking about obesity and the impact on diabetes, and then the question of the funding, how it gets allocated. I take no issue with them talking about should there be a sugar tax or a tax on certain foods. But hearing one of the panellists saying, and there needs to be a change in behaviour, it took one of the other panellists to actually step in and say, do you just, I just want to clarify, you mean just type two and not type one. Now, I just found that quite amazing that a panel of specialists, they're still really that underlying stigma that diabetes, you've caused it yourself. Yeah, and it's just that not distinguishing between the type 1 and the type 2. Not distinguishing, but I think also, as you and I both know, type 2 isn't just brought on because of something you've done in your your life or or haven't done. You've failed to reach the ultimate goals, you know, of, of maintaining a healthy life. Really, yeah, really disappointing that you hear that in a debate, especially when they've just been talking about stigma and why the stigma can prevent money going into research. It was also well covered in there, or they debated well, where should the money go? Should it go to a cure? Should it go for improving management day-to-day living with the condition and it was acknowledged that there's seen huge advancements in technology for managing day-to-day and I know a lot of people will say oh well you know that's good enough isn't it yes the technology is great but you're still living with I've got to say a shitty condition Oh, look, you and I both know we've got the latest and greatest technology. You've got it for both your boys. I've got a different system, but closed loop, CGM, pump. Um, You still have hypos. You still have to Mm. count those carbs precisely. You're still not living, you know, without diabetes. You're You're still doing a lot, the decision making, everything that goes with it. Sleepless nights for you, sleepless nights for me. Yeah, it's there's a lot, a lot more 
to do if we want to improve quality of life further. Mm. I am not taken away from the fact that we we can sleep much better than we used to. We don't have as many finger pricks. Sometimes that practical side of things isn't the problem. It's that no. it's that burden, that constant burden, isn't it? It's the unseen, the, the really the unquantifiable, the unmeasurable. It is there. It it's really. I mean, I think it's really. Oh, you, you you could liken it to medications that you take orally. If you don't have to take a giant horse ball, you can just take a little uh, coated tablet that slips down easily with water. It makes it easier, but you've still got to take it. You've still got a condition that you are taking it for. Yeah, and that is not change unless of course there is a cure so I'd find it if I had to make a decision where does funding go that is that is such a hard hard call and I don't know that I could say definitively one way or the other um, because I wouldn't want to be without the technology we have but living without the disease itself even better yeah, it's it's like, it's like so. Really... Do we just do we sit with the tech we've got for the next ten years and let all the funding go to a cure? I also don't have a black and white answer for that, mm. um, which is why we. It, I think we're sort of wrapping up now, aren't we? Because this this is what we just wanted to leave people with. We yeah. I don't know. Do you put it fifty percent into a cure? But one of the um so so Renza who lives with type one, the advocate that was up there on the panel, who was a very strong voice for for people with type 1 was saying i'm not a rat stop researching rats <laughs> you know it's like does that research go anywhere for the amount of and and you have to start somewhere um but if it's in rats it's years off humans and will it ever get to humans some of that research you've got to wonder yeah you know it's 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 a really hard call. It, it's it's an own individual judgment as to what you know what you think money should be spent on Jamie, we spoke before this, we both heard there will be a cure in five or 10 years, whatever number was picked at the time of, of diagnosis. Yeah, so over 26 years ago now, I was told at diagnosis there will be a cure within 10 years. There was someone else on that panel who was told the same thing. Yes, yes. You were told the same thing. Yeah, well, we might have had five years on ours. There but you anyway, go. Which makes weird. sense if I was told 10, 26 yeah. years ago, now they're saying five. And, you know, I hope they're right for you, but how many years are you in now? <laughs> oh, I think we're about eight and a half in now. So, yeah. Oh, they, we're laughing. We're laughing up. because you have to laugh, but um, it's not a laughing matter at all. It's just. It, it's not, is it? And like you say, I, you know, I'm I'm really starting to get, I think, as passionate as you are about this and, yeah, reaching just reaching people, please go and have a listen to the yeah. and let us know. debate. Let us know what you think. Just start the discussion, raise the awareness. I've got to go back and have another listen because if it, um, I was driving home with two young kids in the car and they'd <laughs> got home and did dinner in the middle of it all, but it is all recorded. You can go back and listen. There's lots of others. There was one every night. I'm yet to go back and listen to um to a few more. One of them was about tech, which I haven't listened to. I did listen to the type 2 diabetes remission one. If you've got type 2 or type 2 in your life world, very interesting. And I think we will jump on and chat about that yes, um, in another I, episode I, for sure. I do want to listen to that one. I did find the obesity one really interesting too. Yeah, really that was called Is There a Magic Pill? So I'm very keen to listen to that as well. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it really was worth the listen. I yeah. would highly recommend that one too. Yeah. 
and and we have no affiliation with um, Diabetes Australia either. We're just we're interested in everything that comes out. And National Diabetes Week, you know, I guess is huge for us. And we're just excited that there's conversation around it and that you can join from anywhere and listen in. I did ask a couple of questions on that panel, but they ran out of time. So <laughs> not sure if, if they continued that later on or not. But yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, obviously, we're a bit biased towards type 1 diabetes research. and But as I said, no one knows diabetes like those who live with diabetes. So I think we are definitely worthy of having a voice and so is everyone else out there that lives this at some capacity. Haley right. doesn't live with it herself, but she lives with it because she's got two boys in her house that she looks after every single day and night. So too much at night at the moment, but anyway, <laughs> which means we better <laughs> sign off. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Love to know your thoughts. Please go and have a listen to that one. And if you could rate our podcast, that will help us reach more people. Uh, we are getting more listeners, so we are very, very grateful to each and every one of you. Beauty, great. And you know what? Just put it on. You don't even have to listen to it. Just keep <laughs> hitting play and telling everyone you know to hit play. Just to bump us up so that people might find us and for just make that connection. You often see in Facebook group forums, oh, I happen to find this, we're newly diagnosed, um, or I'm a carer for someone with diabetes. Just keep hitting, hitting play, getting people to listen, bump us up, and people will find us more easily when they need us. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for joining us late on a Tuesday night too, Hayley. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All Bye, right. Jamie. See you later. Bye. <laughs>